You're listening to Health Professional Radio. I'm your host, Neil Howard. Thank you for joining us for another segment. We're joined this afternoon by Dr. Karan Desai. He's joining us here from Orlando Health Jewett Orthopedic Institute to talk about how care for serious injuries at a level one trauma center can make the difference between amputation and, well, maybe a full recovery. Welcome to Health Professional Radio, Dr. Karan Desai. Thank you for joining us. Thanks for having me. Give us a bit of your professional background. Talk about your area of expertise and your role there at Orlando Health Jewett Orthopedic Institute, if you would. Sure. Uh, I am um, a plastic surgeon by trade. Uh, I did um, a plastic surgery residency, and this was followed by subspecialty training in hand and upper extremity surgery, uh, along with microvascular surgery. Uh, I did my plastic surgery training at Emory University and my orthopedic and plastic surgery hand training uh, at NYU. Um, soon after that, I joined Orlando Health Jewett Orthopedic Institute um, as part of one of their uh, faculty. Uh, we work with residents uh, in, our, in our orthopedic residency program, um, and it's um, been great working at a level one trauma center taking care of severe injuries. What is a level one trauma? Uh, a level one trauma is something that is deemed to be um, essentially extremely severe and needs urgent intervention. Mm-hmm. Uh, only certain centers have a level one designation because there is uh, immediate availability of subspecialists. Uh, unlike a lot of hospitals where they, don't, they may not have an orthopedic surgeon or a hand surgeon or a neurosurgeon uh, available on hand, uh, whereas level one center does. And therefore, um, a lot of these severe injuries that need urgent attention go to level one trauma centers automatically. Does a level one trauma automatically equal life-threatening? Uh, no, it doesn't. Uh, oftentimes, it's um, the call of the first responders in the field mm-hmm. um, and their initial quick assessment. It doesn't necessarily mean it's life-threatening, but it could definitely be limb-threatening. So you see a wide variety of injuries from, from lacerations, cuts, burns, all of these things. Why do you think that there are so few level one trauma centers, if there are so few? You said many hospitals don't have a level one trauma center. Oh, there's a rigorous standard that's set, um, and I'm not sure of all of the details, um, but it includes multiple specialties. Um, you can't just have uh, one specialty on hand and call yourself a level one trauma center. You have to have, um, you know, a few I already mentioned, uh, trauma surgeons, orthopedic surgeons, um, hand surgeons, uh, microvascular surgeons, um, neurosurgeons, all on hand. Um, and therefore, that designation is hard to achieve. And a lot of these specialties have to have coverage in-house, meaning someone has to be at the hospital 24-7, uh, whether it's, you know, a, a, um, a, a mid-level or a resident or somebody um, to, to immediately respond to these level one emergencies. So that's why the designation can be pretty tough to get. Well, obviously, there has to be someone uh, who receives the patient, who has the knowledge uh, to know which specialist needs to intervene, correct? Correct. Um, but it's usually safe to go to level one if the EMT or whoever in the field has any suspicion that this person is going to need any emergent care. Uh, they tend to just bring them to a level one trauma center because it's the safest thing to do. When you mentioned EMTs, when an EMT is on his way to you, they're prepping the the patient, prepping the wound. Is there any redundancy 
or are they just starting the process and then you finish the process or are they just patching them up so that you can unpatch them and, and fix them? Well, oftentimes their initial management on the field is just extremely urgent needs. They're not going to do anything with, um, you know, that that's going to be the final care of the patient. Uh, for example, if there is a life-threatening bleed or arterial bleed, they may put a tourniquet on an arm um, as the initial measure to just essentially stop the bleeding. Occasionally, they'll put uh, uh, pressure dressings on wounds um, in order to prevent uh, bleeding. They'll uh, stabilize somebody's pelvis um, if they have a pelvic fracture. They, they do those sort of things that somebody uh, or an MD can take care of as soon as they get rolled into the ER. Well, give us an example of a, a level one trauma that you personally attended to and talk about some of the challenges and maybe the, the victory as well. Sure. Uh, one of the uh, first patients that took care of actually after I finished my fellowship was um, uh, a gentleman who uh, was out uh, alligator hunting. Um, he had a license to do so to keep the population of the gators down in Florida. And uh, while he was hunting, he had an alligator um, attack his upper extremity. Um, this alligator latched onto his forearm and, and did the uh, classic gator roll mm -hmm. um, after the um, causing um, a severe limb threatening injury uh, to this patient's arm. Um, uh, that patient then was brought to a level one trauma center at, at Orlando Health. Now, the severity of this person's wounds, what was the determining factor? Did he lose that arm? Can he use it now? What was the determining factor that caused uh, either outcome? Yeah, so I, I, I would classify his injury into something what we as upper extremity surgeons call a mangled extremity. Um, and mangled extremities have damage on multiple levels, uh, muscles, nerves, tendons, blood vessels, the skin, um, where the, they often straddle the line of, well, is this, is this extremity salvageable? in any meaningful way, or does it just need to have an amputation for the betterment of the patient overall? Um, my personal philosophy when managing these mangled extremities is to um, not jump to any conclusions. I uh, like to give every patient the best chance they can have um, and do whatever I can do to salvage any sort of meaningful function. Um, now, meaningful is the key word. Um, we deal with things like fireworks, et cetera, in which it's not salvageable, but in this patient's case, uh, they had a mangled extremity at the forearm level with a, a working hand. And um, that was one of the major determinants for me to save this extremity because the hand um, uh, had some sensation um, and uh, some of the hand functions were working. Um, and therefore, my initial assessment with this patient is to take him to the operating room do a full assessment under anesthesia, and then start to do what I call damage control. Um, in this patient's case, it was a exotic animal bite in a swamp, and therefore uh, the biggest concern in my mind is immediately infection. Um, the alligator's teeth has extremely um, rare bacteria, and I, I know not from experience, but from hearing other people's stories, the last few alligator bites that have come into um, 
some of these level one trauma centers have led to amputations mm-hmm. uh, just because they could never clear the infection. Yeah. Um, so that was my initial sort of management of this patient was to get the wounds, everything as clean as possible and assess the damage. Certainly clear why a level one trauma center is a level one trauma center because had someone without your knowledge or, or insight uh, considered that hand function to be viable with surgery, another person may have said, well, let's just go ahead and amputate the arm below the elbow because, you know, just because the hand's working. I, I'm sure there are those types of situations if something happens at a trauma center that isn't a, a level one trauma center. You're, you're absolutely correct, um, and, and um, we have the resources and the knowledge and the expertise to do so at Orlando Health, um, you know, which is why I take every patient at the operating room to really assess what the damage is. Um, you know, as I got into the OR there, I could see that um, two of the major nerves that feed, that feed the hand and control a lot of the hand function, the median nerve and the ulnar nerve, were actually intact. Um, they were bruised, um, but they were not lacerated. Uh, the majority of this patient's damage occurred on the back of the forearm where all of the extensor tendons are for the wrist and the hand. Um, and so the gator took out essentially all of the muscle on the back of the hand. Sorry, at the back of the forearm. I apologize. Um, so the patient had no extensor function of the wrist or the hand. Um, in addition, the patient had extensive soft tissue injury, uh, including the muscle, and, and had uh, what we call a both bone forearm fracture. Both the radius and the ulna were fractured uh, with comminution, meaning in small pieces. Hmm. Um, and so there, there's a lot of different levels of injury here that need to be managed in a sequential manner in the setting of preventing infection, uh, uh, and that's where damage control comes in. Give us a website where we can learn a lot more about Orlando Health Jewett Orthopedic Institute, if you would, and um, maybe learn more about the uh, procedures that you all specialize in there. Uh, OrlandoHealth.com is uh, our, our website where you can learn more about some of the services that we offer. I appreciate you joining us here on Health Professional Radio. Dr. Desai, thank you so much for the information. No problem. My pleasure. You've been listening to Health Professional Radio. I'm your host, Neil Howard, in conversation with Dr. Karan Desai. Audio copies of this program are available at hpr.fm and healthprofessionalradio.com.au. You can also subscribe to the podcast on iTunes, listen in, download at SoundCloud, and be sure and subscribe to our YouTube channel at youtube.com, Health Professional Radio.